Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Over the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at several words that become really uh, popular during this season, joy, hope, and peace. And specifically tonight, we're gonna to be looking at the word joy. But when I think about the word joy, um, I think what I begin to really think about immediately is music and singing. Think about this time of year and the joy that you experience. It's usually connected to a song. Now imagine transitioning into the Christmas season and there being no Christmas music. Like how would that feel? Or imagine coming to church and there being no music here. Imagine your life without music. Be a pretty depressing life. The reason we like music so much though is because it helps us express what we feel. And it can oftentimes help us change the way that we feel. So if you come in and like you came into church kind of bummed out, you were arguing with your husband or your wife or whatever, you're stressed out with the kids and you come, as you begin to worship, as you begin to see the truth and begin to sing the truth back, it begins to do something in your heart. Man, by that last song, you're in, you're here and you begin to lighten up a little bit. That's how God uses music in our life. And when we begin to look at the word, when the word begins to, to teach us how to sing and what we should be doing as we're singing, it says that we need to sing joyfully. Now here's the thing about singing joyfully. You cannot sing joyfully unless you've actually experienced something to be joyful about in your life. And what we learn through the Psalms, which are songs that teach us how to sing, is a lot about the relationship that God desires to have with us. God desires for your relationship with him to be one of joy. And I don't know about you guys, but I would say that there's been a season of my life where joy has not necessarily been the word that I've used to define my relationship with God. There's been seasons where it's been stressful, where I've been trying to impress God. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been very trying. It's been very emotionally hard when I tried to, to do this religious thing on my own, when I tried to be a Christian and do the Christian thing without the spirit alive in me. That was something that was very challenging for me. But when I begin to step into the realization of God's grace and the gift of love for me, that's when I begin to, to have true experiences of joy. And I want you to know this tonight as we get into the word together. I just want you to know this about God. And I think we need to know this is that God smiles. Like Jesus has a smile on his face whenever we receive the gift that he gives. And I think culture has, has, you know, painted God to be, you know, if we want to go with the crime fighter thing, he's, he's painted God to be this crime fighter with a lightning bolt that's just out crushing everything. But the reality is, is that whenever someone receives the gift of salvation, the Bible says whenever somebody re repents from their sin, like they turn away from it, God throws a party in heaven. There is rejoicing that happens. What the doxology of Jude says is that it is the joy of Jesus to present us to God blameless. He says he does it with great joy. Zephaniah says this, 
The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So we learned something very important about God from these words. It's that, number one, God desires that our relationship is defined by joy, but also that he wants singing to be a part of it. He sings over us. And Psalm 95 says this. It says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And so tonight, what I want to talk about is how we can actually have a song of joy to sing in every season. Because the reality that we face in our life is this, is that we all go through different circumstances and different experiences in our life. And if we choose to base our joy on our circumstance, then it's gonna go up and down. It's gonna look like, you know, the crypto stock chart right now that's all over the place, you know? It's not gonna look good. Like whenever we have a good day, we're gonna be joyful. Whenever we have a bad day, we're gonna be sad. But what the word says is that we need to come to him with singing. And what we learn, even from the Christmas story, from looking at the mother of Jesus, looking at Mary's life, is that we can have joy in all seasons. So that's what we're gonna check out tonight, all right? So if you got a copy of the word, we're gonna be hanging out in Luke. You can go ahead and get there if you want to. Um, I'll have everything on the screen for you as well. So let me give you a little bit of background about the Christmas story, okay? As the Christmas story starts to unfold, you have a few characters, and we're gonna be looking at these characters over the next few weeks. Tonight, specifically, like I said, we're gonna look at Mary. So Mary is this girl that comes from a Jewish background, and uh, she is a good girl, all right? Sweet girl, and she is engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, all right? Now, in their culture, it was customary to get married young. But here's the deal. Mary was probably 14 years old whenever she got pregnant with Jesus. That's real young, all right? That's real young to be having a baby. And when you start to think about that, though, in her life, Mary was also in a season, and what the word says is that she was engaged to Joseph. They were planning a wedding, all right? Not only that, but at the time that she got pregnant, um, it was not a, a, a culturally accepted thing for an unmarried woman to have a baby. So as Mary stepped into this, this experience of becoming pregnant with Jesus, and we're gonna read a little bit more about that in a moment, when she stepped into this experience for her, it was one that likely brought her into a little bit of reproach within the community that she was in. When we saw what Jesus went through by the religious people, and we can only imagine that Mary went through some of the same things. This was not just a, a, a time in her life where the circumstances was what she was actually hoping and wishing for. Although it was a huge blessing and we look back on it and, and we think, man, what a blessing to be Mary. And she believed that herself. But when we just look at the outward circumstance, it was one that likely brought her into some reproach. On the other end of the spectrum, when we begin to read the Christmas story, there's another lady by the name of Elizabeth. They're actually relatives. And so Elizabeth is an older lady. And what uh, the word says about her is that she was barren. And she was at this place in her life. She was never able to have kids. 
And so to, to have that on her, what the word says for her is that she was in reproach in her community because she didn't have kids. And so what begins to happen with both of these ladies is they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And when they have this encounter with the Holy Spirit, they both become pregnant, okay? The difference is, is that Elizabeth was taken from reproach. What the word says is that she was taken from the reproach of her community. She was giving praise to God because this, she finally, like her identity, she wanted to be a mother. She finally got to step into being a mom. She gave praise to God for this child. And what that means is this, y'all, you can have an experience with the Holy Spirit and your circumstance be quite challenging. Yet the reason we're looking at Mary tonight is because in the midst of her circumstance, she was known as a woman of joy. And so as we begin this, this to really answer this question tonight of how I can have joy, we're gonna look at this woman. And so just remember what Mary is going through. Teenager, planning a wedding, okay? All of a sudden, wedding plans get derailed. Actually, Joseph decides, he says, listen, you know what? I'm just gonna divorce her quietly. Like, I'm gonna call the wedding off. She's a sweet girl. I'm just gonna call it off and, and I'm gonna do it respectfully, do it quietly. Angel comes to him and says, no, 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 you need to be her father. This is of the Lord, this is good. But you can just imagine what this girl's facing, what she's processing, all right? So let's get into the word right now because what I'm excited about here is I think we learned something about the heart of Jesus and also our heart and really where joy comes from as we begin to look at this passage. So check out Luke chapter one, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. All right, here's what's important about this passage, okay? So we see the angel Gabriel come to her and the words out of his mouth that is recorded in our English Bible is this word greetings, okay? Now, something that's very important to know, when the Bible was originally written, it wasn't written in English, okay? It was written in Greek. Something about Greek words is that sometimes, and you know this if you've learned any other language, there's not a direct translation between every word, which from one language to the next. So when we look at the Bible, sometimes it helps to go back to the Greek to understand the fullness of what's being communicated. Now the translators did an awesome job of giving us a translation that we can read, that we can have faith in, that we can be confident in. But it's good sometimes to go to the, back to the roots of this to see how the words come together, all right? So when we're looking at the word that gets translated as greeting, okay? Greek words are like trees, okay? There is a root word and then there's different branches that come off of the words that have different nuances of them, okay? So there is a word that we see called Cairo. And that word means to rejoice. If we're thinking about the picture here, okay, what happens is, is that when the angel comes to 
to uh, Mary and says greetings, it uses this word Cairo, which means to rejoice. So the word greeting here actually means rejoice, Mary. Like, hey, be happy I'm here. This is good. He's coming joyfully, all right? Rejoice. But here's the other thing that's really cool about this. When we continue to read and we get to the word favor, when it says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The word for favor is also linked to that same word tree as the word joyful. And favor means grace, okay? Now, track with me here. What is happening is, is that the word grace stems from this other word of being joyful. And what that means is this, whenever Cairo is given, okay, whenever it's given, it is grace. Whenever Cairo is received, it is rejoicing. The relationship between grace and rejoicing are just like this. They are one and the same. The experience that God desires for you and I to have whenever grace is extended from him is that we receive his grace and we rejoice. So the instruction to Mary can be read like this. Rejoice, Mary, for you have received the grace of God. Now, here's the thing that's so important about us understanding where joy comes from. Joy comes from the favor of the Lord. That's where true joy comes from. If we base our joy on a circumstance, it will fail because the circumstance will not always be ideal and what we want. But if we base our joy on the person of Jesus Christ and on the gift of grace that he freely gives, then we always have a reason to be joyful. So if you're taking notes tonight, the first point that I'm making here is this. The joy of the Lord is found in the favor of the Lord. Favor simply means grace. All right. So Mary now has a lot to process. Okay. So the next question that she uh, begins to ask is, well, how is this going to happen? So the angel goes and goes on to explain who Jesus is going to be, that he is going to be the most high God, that he is the king of all kings, that he's going to have a kingdom that never ends. And then he begins to explain how the conception of Jesus is going to happen in verse number 35. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, here's what's so important, verse 38. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, y'all, it sounds sweet and it sounds awesome to be the mother of Jesus, right? But she's processing all these things that are about to happen to her, okay? And what the word first says is that the Holy Spirit comes upon her. We see those same words at Pentecost whenever the Holy Spirit fell on the church as they were worshiping there. So the Holy Spirit was gonna come upon Mary. That's very important to us understanding our experience of 
the Holy Spirit. When people were singing and they were giving praise, joyful praise to God, it was after an experience in the presence of God. Mary is now in the very presence of God. The Holy Spirit will come upon her. And so as she's receiving everything, Mary says something extremely, extremely important. I believe this sentence that she says will actually set the tone for her experience to the rest of Jesus' birth, life, and then watching her son die on the cross off of this one word right here. She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be. Y'all, so many times in our life, we go through situations and we don't experience joy because we don't understand that, that one concept that Mary did. Listen, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be. You're in control, master. And if you think that it's best for me, then it's best for me. I don't know how many times we come. And if you think about it like this, a lot of times we go about our day and we like control and we fill our hands up with these things. So we're like, I want control over my family. I want control over my, my financial success. I want control over my career. And we try to hold all these things and be master of all these things in our hands. And when it comes to actually being filled, our cup's filled with everything else. The reality is you can't fill a cup that's full already. And what we see in the heart of Mary is that she'd emptied the cup out. She said, listen, I'm yours. I'm a servant, let it be. And as she poured the cup out, as she said, I'm your servant, Father, let it be. You know what happened? She was filled. She was filled with the spirit. The word says the filling of the spirit, the fruit of that filling is that there's love that flows out of us. Joy comes out, peace, hope. All these amazing like characteristics that like, the person that we really wanna be, honestly, and we want others to be to us is a product of the filling of the Spirit. So Mary understood that. And I believe when you can take the situations, the circumstances God brings to you like that, when you can sit here and say, hey, you know what? Sure, yes, God. We've been talking about giving God our yes, but when you get to that place, yes, God, I'm your servant. Yes, let it be. And it was followed by this, let it be according to your word. Mary trusted the word of the Lord. And what we understand is whenever we respond to the word of the Lord like that, faithfully, it's counted to us as righteousness. It's right standing with God. And so the point that I wanna make here, the second point is this, the joy of the Lord fills the surrendered heart. If you're looking at your life right now and you're like, man, I don't know that I really have this like eternal lasting joy in my life. Like, I don't know that I really feel like singing a song of joy to the Lord. When I ask you this, have you actually surrendered to his will and to his plan? And the thing is, is that God doesn't force us into the surrender. Again, we, we get this idea of somebody just cracking a whip, right? Striking a lightning bolt. But the way that God compels us and moves us is by his love. We know it from John three sixteen, but he said, God loved the world. That's why he came. He came because he loves us. He gives us a, the, the gift of grace freely. This gift of salvation, of being made right, of having our sins like tossed into the ocean, right? 
He gives us this gift of relationship with him. It is a gift. It is favor. And that is where joy is found. And so as she surrendered her heart to the Lord, as she said, Lord, hey, I'm a servant, let it be. She received a feeling. So now Mary's filled up, Holy Spirit's upon her. She conceives, okay? Baby Jesus is growing and they go and they meet with Elizabeth, okay? So she's gotta go see what's happening. What the the angel says to her, listen, there's nothing impossible with God. So she goes, hangs out with Elizabeth. Here's the words. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, so now we got Mary filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit. And she explained, exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Okay, she's explaining a grace that is happening to her. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. There's the experience of grace. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. If you like to underline things in your Bible, I underlined that verse in mine because here's the deal. We begin to see that Mary now heard the word of the Lord, okay? She has found favor because of the grace of God, all right? So the grace of God is poured out on her Mary, rejoice right now. Mary responds to the situation and says, let it be, bring it on, let's go, fill me. The Holy Spirit fills her. She goes and hangs out with Elizabeth and here's what Elizabeth affirms in her. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Listen, the blessing comes when we believe the truth. It's a simple principle, y'all. But so many times we find ourselves in situations in our life where we're not joyful, we're not feeling it. But it's because honestly, we're basing our experience and our joy on something that is other than the truth. But when our belief is rooted in the truth that God says, then we can trust that it's going to happen. We can believe in his promises. And that's what we see Mary doing here. So her experience now, as she begins to step into blessing, as she experiences the filling of the Holy Spirit in her life, a song starts to come out. A song bubbles up in her. She does what she's seen done throughout the word. When people have an experience with the Lord, they can't help but respond in joy. When they taste grace, they gotta sing about it. And so she does that. And this is the sweet song that Mary sings. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of of their hearts. 
He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Yo, so Mary experiences the spirit, man. She gets filled with the spirit. She surrenders, right? The blessing enters her. She begins to be filled. And in the midst of this circumstance of pregnancy, which I've heard is not fun, in the experience of pregnancy, in the experience of of a 14-year-old, a young teenage girl processing everything, in the experience of running, making haste, and I don't know why she ran quickly. It was probably out of excitement, probably a little bit of just, I don't know what's about to happen. Probably I wanna be with my family. But she runs and she sings a song of praise. I want you to know something today that our invitation in the word to sing a song of joy to the Lord is not only just because God wants to hear us sing, but it's because it begins to do something in our hearts. It's a connectiveness that we begin to have. God wants to have a singing relationship with us. He wants our hearts to sing. And I know some of us and, and many of us might sit here and say, listen, man, I mean, I'm not much of a musician. Like I'm, I'm not much of a singer. I'm not really a songwriter. But what I believe is very important is that our hearts know how to respond to the joy of the Lord, that they know how to respond to his grace. And so today, as, as we begin to process this, what I wanna invite you into right now is for you to begin to do what Mary did. I wanna just go through her song again. She starts out and says, my soul magnifies the Lord. But now we understand that her song is a song of joy because she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. There's our word again that we started, studied at the very beginning, right? Cairo, my, jo- my, my soul is rejoicing. Then she begins to remember. One of the most important things we can do in our songs is that we can remember. Because here's the reality. You're gonna go through days in your life that are difficult. That's the truth, we know it. But if you can begin to learn how to sing a song in your heart of joy, And that song includes reminders of personal things the Lord has done for you and faithfulness, then it can begin to lift you from that place, from the the muck and the mire that you feel like you're standing in, and it can begin to get you back into the experience and the remembrance of his joy. And that's exactly what she does here. His mercy is for those who fear him. She's just proclaiming truth from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. She just begins to just list the truth after truth, after truth, after truth. Because blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of the things spoken. So she's gonna declare those things spoken back in song. So here's where I'm going with this tonight, y'all. We've got two women, similar experience, yet different season of life altogether. 
a young woman, old woman. One taken from reproach, one brought into reproach, yet the song is of joy. Some of you guys in your life right now are in an experience where it's just like, I mean, it couldn't be better. Your family's growing, everything's good. You got all you need. Others of you might be in a season right now where somebody just stepped out of your life that you love, where maybe there's a, a relative, a son or a daughter that it's just really strained in their relationship with you or with the Lord and it's just hurting right now. But all of us have a common denominator that God loves us. We all have this common denominator that there is salvation that is offered freely to anyone who would receive it. And for every one of us that has received salvation, that has stepped into the favor of the Lord, we have the joy of the Lord. And y'all, I begin to just burn a little bit because I get to the privilege of leading worship, man, like all over Knoxville. I've got to lead it in just several different parts of the world. And you can always tell the people that's truly experienced the grace of Jesus. Like even when there's a language barrier, they engage, you can feel like they just, they get it. They, their soul is responding in joy. There's a thing that happens when the spirit connects us together. But yet there are people that just stand there like statues, cold in their heart because they've never really tasted grace. They haven't really stepped into favor. I want you to know something today. Your joy is not something that you can be shamed into. And the, the typical thing to happen whenever we're challenged with something in the word, our religious mindset goes and says, well, I just need to be a better person then. We go right back to works. We go right back to the shame game. And I just want you to know this, that Jesus doesn't motivate you with the shame game. He doesn't say there's a tiss tiss shame on you. I can't believe you did that. What the father does is he says, listen, I love you so much. I actually know that you're gonna sin again, but I've got enough grace to cover that. I'm actually gonna take it for you. I'm gonna take the punishment for you. And I'm gonna take the brunt of my anger because I hate sin. God does not like sin, he despises it. He says, I'm gonna take the brunt of my anger and I'm actually gonna dump it on my son, on Jesus. That's why we get so excited about celebrating his birth. It's honestly because of the end of the story of his death and his resurrection. Because his resurrection means that we can have life too. We can have that same power that rose Jesus from the dead inside of us, raising us to life. Y'all, we have every reason to be joyful in our life and not just be joyful whenever we come into a church service or not just be joyful when we're around certain people or just joyful whenever we feel like God's given us everything we ever wanted because what the word says is God's already given us everything we need. And I can, be, I can just quote truth after truth after truth to you guys. But the reality is this, if you'll just step into the receiving, empty your hands, step into the receiving of the favor of the Lord, you can know joy in every circumstance. You can go through an experience, a deathbed experience. Y'all, the difference between lost people when they die and found people when they die that I have experienced when I've been there 
is this peace and this joy that is in the room. I have, I have seen people in their last days give all praise and joy to God with a smile on their face in the midst of the most horrible circumstance that you could ask to be put through. But they know something that is beyond them. The joy of the Lord is something that's beyond you. It's a gift given to you. It's something for you to receive. And I just wanna invite you all tonight to receive the joy of the Lord. I also want to share a little bit of my joy with you guys tonight. And you got a note card. Everybody has a note card. And if you've already written on it, that's awesome. But here's what the note card's for. Over the next few minutes, um, these guys are just gonna create some music for us. They're gonna just fill the space. And I want to invite you to do what Mary did and write a song. And I'm really interested to see what God lays on your heart right now. But I want you to start your song by just giving praise to God. Give him thanks for something today. And as you do that, begin to reflect on how the Lord has blessed you. Mary went back to her ancestry and what her ancestors experienced on all these things that God had done for her and her family. But I wanna invite you into this because let me tell you something. What begins to recall joy in our souls is to begin to reflect on the blessings of the King. It's to remember his favor. The lie the enemy wants us to believe is that we can actually step outside of his grace. Like we can actually get to a point where God doesn't love us anymore, where he doesn't care for us anymore. What the word says is that nothing can snatch us from his hand. And if nothing can take us from his hand, and I'm gonna venture to say that nothing can take away what his Holy Spirit can give us. We don't need to give any enemy any ground to take away the joy the Lord gives us. And so a practice that I just kind of found myself in as I would read the word and begin to study the word on a daily basis as I begin to write songs to the Lord. And I've got to share some of those songs with you guys. But what I wanna do is you're inspired to write a song right now. I promise you in the midst of this, as you begin to reflect on the favor of the Lord, you will be stirred with joy in your heart. You will learn in this moment how to have joy right now. And this is something you can continue to practice. And so I wanna give you space right now. I'm gonna quit talking. I wanna invite you just to go before the King. Let him inspire you right now for the next few minutes. Write a song of joy to the King. So, if you are not uh, currently singing in your personal time with the Lord, I invite you to explore it. I invite you to practice this in your relationship with the King because the truth is he's singing over you 
and he's singing joyfully over you. And I believe the Father wants to remind you how much he loves you tonight. That is the beautiful good news that the birth of Jesus brought to the world is that God loves you. He loved you so much that he sent Jesus. And if that doesn't stir joy in our souls, then we need to come back and begin to ask God why. For everybody that's received that grace, the appropriate response is joy. And so tonight, as we end our time together, okay, this is, this is your singing. <laughs> and I invite you to take that, the words that you wrote, add to it, put this in a daily practice get by yourself in your car, wherever you are, and sing those words back to the Father. Sing it from your heart. Don't matter what it sounds like. He's not listening to the voice, he's looking at the heart. But continue to do that. I'm gonna guess that this song was in Mary's mind for the course of her life. Songs tend to stick like that. I'm sure each of you all can remember songs you learned as a kid. But as we begin to put melody to these things, it sticks in our heart causes us to rejoice and to remember. That's what I want you to continue to do in your life. So as we end our time together tonight, the Father is joyful over you. He joyfully sings, desires you to joyfully sing to Him. I hope that this has helped you tonight, okay? I hope that it's helped you understand where joy comes from, also how to put it into practice, all right? So remember, a couple announcements next week. On Friday, we're hanging out here at 6.30, all the volunteers partying together. And then on Christmas Eve, that is gonna be our Christmas service. That will be at noon, all right? And that's gonna be a special service. Got a little surprise for everybody. Come just ready to engage, have a great time. We will sing, we will have some word together and then we'll go out, all right? We will not have service on the 26th as well. That's the time to celebrate with your family. So I believe I got all that out of the way. But listen, guys, I love you guys. And uh, man, I hope you leave lighter and joyful. All right, y'all have a wonderful evening. Y'all are dismissed.